This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast, Episode 7, the title of which is Be Wise as Serpents and Gentle as Doves. I want to quote from you a passage of scripture. It's going to be in the Dewey Rames translation, which means it's going to be close to the uh, it's going to be close to the King James Version. I'm not going to translate it into modern day English. Its meaning is clear enough. This is the book of St. Matthew, chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpent and simple as doves. And before we get forward, I want to say a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. My God, I firmly believe that you are here present, and I humbly adore you in union with the angels and saints. I'm sorry for having sinned because you are infinitely good and sin displeases you. I love you above all things and with my whole heart. I offer you all that I am and all that I have, my soul with all its faculties, my body with all its senses. Enlighten my understanding and inflame my will, that I may know to do what is pleasing to you. And I beseech you to direct all the powers of my soul, all my thoughts and affections to your service and your glory, as well as to my own sanctification and salvation. The title of the prayer is Prayer Before Meditation, Study, or Spiritual Reading. Okay, so I wasn't even going to post a podcast this weekend. I'm feeling a little under the weather, but today I came across a video on YouTube and I felt like I had to throw in my own two cents I felt led by God to throw in my own two cents. Um, For those of you who are unaware, um, Catholicism right now is split into three sectors. Uh, The first sector is the flat-out Vatican II Church. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what I call the Vatican II Church, It's basically the church that you think is the Catholic church, but in fact, it's a bunch of heretics, uh, Protestant heretics for that matter, masquerading as Catholics. And the second sector are what is known in Catholic circles as the uh, semi-traditionalists. These are the guys that will tell you up and down that they think that Vatican II, um, the Vatican II sect, um, what I call the uh, fake Catholic Church, they'll they'll swear up and down that um, they're in error, and you know there are evil bishops and evil priests that are corrupting it, but they still recognize the uh, post uh, post Vatican II uh, bishops. Or I'm sorry, post-Vatican II um, popes as legitimate popes. They recognize the Vatican II Council. But to ensnare the unwary or to mislead them, 
they they put up a traditional front you know they say oh there's there's all this corruption in 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 the uh in the Vatican II church, but we still recognize Mr. Bergoglio. We still recognize Mr. Ratzinger. We still recognize Pope John II. We still recognize Pope Paul VI. We still recognize Pope Paul XXIII. As a matter of fact, Pope John Paul and Pope uh, John XXIII have been recognized by um, the Vatican II sect as saints okay so this these what i would what, what are known as semi-traditionalists i call them neo-trads meaning that they're fake traditionalists the real traditionalists are the third sector of catholicism which is what we know in in catholic circles as said of a contest but what I call the true Catholic Church. Now, the person I was listening to has a channel on YouTube. Now, I'm not going to mention the names of the people involved in this broadcast because I don't know them personally, and I don't, you know, I didn't have permission to quote them, so... In, for the sake of charity, for the sake of uh, respectfulness, I'm not going to mention any names unless somehow or another one of their followers gets a hold of this recording and they either give me permission to, to use their names or if they tell me to go fly a kite and they're not interested. But this particular channel on YouTube... Um, they're known as semi-traditionalists or what I call the neo-traditionalists. Now, if anybody who has listened to the channel introduction knows, the, any, any type of organization, I don't care if it's the Catholic Church, the Republican Party, the uh, Democratic Party, there, there are what I what I term as the leaders and the followers or in biblical terms, the sheep, the guy who runs this particular channel happens to be a sheep. He took the, um, semi-traditionalist line that, yeah, there's some chicanery going on with, uh, what they would consider the Catholic church, but it's all due to, to, to vile popes and, uh, or not, I'm sorry, they recognize the popes, but it's all due to wicked priests and wicked bishops who cover, um, who cover up their, um, crimes, you know, behind a veneer of, uh, of, uh, piety. And, you know, the popes are totally unaware that this stuff is going on. And, I guess it got to the point where this particular semi-trad got to the point where he's like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. How could these priests and bishops be operating and doing what they're doing without the knowledge of the popes? And furthermore, how could they be operating with the knowledge of these popes and these popes, or in his case, it was Francis in particular, 
I'm sure the more he researches the um, true Catholic position, he'll realize that Bergoglio isn't the only heretic involved in this. You know, the, the, the other popes I mentioned, Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, John Paul II, um, Paul VI, and John XXIII were all heretics. Just at the time that they were operating, the internet had not been invented by Al Gore in the 90s, so it was easier to cover their tracks. And what makes, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, what makes uh, Benedict the 16th so diabolical was that, oh, he was a heretic, make no mistake, by true Catholic teachings, but he kept his stuff, as the kids say, on the down low. You know, he didn't advertise it, he kept it private. Whereas Mr. Bergoglio's running around saying all sorts of crazy stuff. And now we have the wonderful invention by Al Gore saying, well, you know, recording what he's saying, uh, pictures, the whole nine yards. You know, anybody with two eyes and a brainstem can tell that, you know, um, Mr. Bergoglio is not even Catholic. And so he drew the logical conclusion that, hey, maybe the true Catholics have a point and maybe this whole Vatican II experiment is a bad idea. But I digress. So he was interviewing, <clears throat> he was interviewing this set of Vacantist priest. Um, those of you in the know will know that set of have different different organizations within the top broad title of set of accountism and that um you know there 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 are different organizations the priest in question um is part of the set of accountist movement he's not part of the organization that i'm trying to join but I've watched his YouTube podcasts on um, on this channel, and uh, I guess I guess it, it doesn't matter if I mention the channel's name. It's called "What Catholics Believe," and um, this 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 uh, former semi trad was put a video that this channel had put out interviewing this priest. Now, what I'm going to say here is, is there's a priest in the Vatican II sect. I'm sorry, an archbishop. I'm sorry, he's not a priest. Well, he is, but he's an archbishop, which means he has a diocese. Um, he may even be higher because archbishops can cover anywhere from a diocese. I'm not exactly sure how it all works, but he could be higher than an archdiocese. Um, basically, um, his name is Archbishop Vagano, and he used to be the papal envoy to Washington, D.C., meaning he was the quote-unquote Pope's representative of the Vatican 
to the U.S. government. Now, what makes this all interesting is, is lately Archbishop Vagano has been criticizing uh, basically Pope Francis. Not really, as far as I can tell, not the Vatican II Council, but basically he he's 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 basically been um he's been criticizing Pope Francis and quite frankly you know criticizing Pope Francis is is like shooting fish in a barrel i mean the guy as i've said in earlier broadcasts um uh Mr. Bergoglio is so blatant in his heresies that um, the average Catholic, or I'm sorry, the average Baptist or Presbyterian or what have you in the pews can tell that this man is not anywhere near a Catholic. But I digress. So anyway, um, apparently Vagano, uh, I'm sorry, Archbishop Vergano has gone into hiding. And what he's claiming is, is that he's afraid for his life. Now, there's a subplot here that many of you may not be aware of or don't care about. Um, about They've written books about this, even during the Vatican II years, about how there was a uh, homosexual mafia in most of the seminaries in America, I can't speak for Europe, where basically if you were a straight priest and you went to the uh, the uh, the head priest of the monastery and you said, hey, hey, man, you know, these guys are blatant homosexuals. Aren't you going to do something about it? The, the, the poor person in, in question would either be offered two choices. One, get the heck out. We don't want to see you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Or two, they would let him finish his seminary and then they would stick him in Sticks, uh, Sticks, Alaska, out in the middle of the tundra where, you know, where he couldn't, he couldn't uh, expose this, this secret. If, if it indeed was a secret, because in the early 2000s, um, Seth MacFarland and uh, uh, Matt Parker and Trey Stone made ample fun of the sexual abuse crisis that came out in the 90s. But in, in traditional Catholic circles of the 80s, it was a well-known fact without these bozos, you know, making a cartoon about it that there was a sexual abuse crisis um, going on in what people thought was the Catholic Church. And um, basically, um, you know, the, the I think it was the Boston Globe broke the story, quote-unquote, broke the story and let all of America know what was going on, that there was a sexual abuse crisis. And because 95% of America thinks that the Vatican II sect is the actual Catholic Church, this stained the reputation of the Catholic Church. 
And I will admit that, you know, when I was a part of this sect, I fell into that category. I was like, you know, I was shocked. I was dismayed um, that, that this was going on, but I didn't put two and two together at the time. It took a little reading and a little research to figure out what was going on. So anyway, Vagano, or Archbishop Vagano, um, is in hiding because he's in fear for his life because the evil homosexuals might kill him or, you know, he, that's, without getting too deep in the weeds, that's the story. Well, this, this set of a contest priest or what I call a true Catholic priest was being interviewed about the Vagano thing. Now, without getting too much into the details of the whole situation, um, I'm sorry, um, without getting too much into details of the conversation, there are some members of the set of the contest uh, organizations who think that Pope Francis should be, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bergoglio should be ejected from uh, the Vatican, you know, um, if, if I had my way, he'd be burned at the stake. But unfortunately, we don't live in medieval times. We live in the times we do. But at the very least, put into cuffs and be put into a very, very dark prison where he'll spend the rest of his life repenting of what he has done and his predecessors have done. Because you got to remember... There were books coming out in the 80s, okay? Vatican II, the council, was done in the 1960s. So for 20 years, you know, they kept up the charade and then it started leaking out that there were gay seminarians, which, by the way, in their own catechism, uh, catechism is a book of doctrine, teaches new new converts, what the church teaches, it says that homo, open, open, sorry, open homosexuals should not be given communion or the Eucharist, the, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And if they're, you know, unrepentant, they shouldn't even be in the church. But anyway, um, there were books coming out that this stuff was going on and that, you know, it, it, at the time it was thought that the, that the runner, uh, the, the guys in charge of the seminaries were allowing this to happen. They weren't putting two and two together. Well, if you are of a certain age, you'll remember who was Pope, who was Pope in those days. It was your good buddy, John Paul II. Yes, boys and girls, Mr. Conservative, Mr. Orthodox. You know, if they're writing books about it, there is no way on God's green earth that he, that, that uh, quote unquote, Pope John Paul II was not unaware of what was going on in, in the church at that time. There's just no way. So... In addition to the heresies that he committed, um, 
quite public heresies, I might add, but because it was the 80s, there was no internet, so getting the information about these heresies was a difficult task. It could be done, it was just difficult. You had to put in the time and the effort. So in addition to those things, he also, you know, I I don't care what anyone says, I am 99% sure that he was well aware of the fact that there was a gay mafia inside the Catholic Church, and he did nothing about it. Okay? So for all you semi-trads out there, oh, 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 Pope John Paul II was a great man. He's a saint. The mere fact that he allowed this to happen should have disqualified him. As a matter of fact, should have put him in the same place, I hope, as Bergoglio's going. And Benedict, too. They all covered it up. Anyway, um, this, this priest um, from the True Catholic Church, they were interviewing, and he was saying that maybe Archbishop Vagano was definitely in fear for his life. Now, I've, as I've said before, I've listened to their channel on YouTube. Everything that comes out of these people's mouth is orthodox, correct, and true Catholic teachings. So I'm going to give the man the benefit of the doubt when he says, you know, he gives Logano the benefit of the doubt. I'm just going to do that because he hasn't shown me that, you know, he's, he's being a hypocrite in this case. Well, when I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking to myself, okay, we, we, without, I'm, I'm going to try to not get too deep in the weeds, but Mas, uh, Masonic influence in the Catholic Church was noted as early as the 1700s. And if you go through the proper papal, papal encyclicals, between the 1700s and pre-Vatican II, the popes at those times, for the 300 years this was occurring, made note of the fact that the Masons were trying to influence the Catholic Church. So, my question was, okay, we know that Vatican II, because it contradicted Everything the church had taught for the past 1,900 years was contradicted subtly at first, but as the years went on, the, 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 the heresy became more and more blatant, leading up to Bergoglio, which, by the way, when I was on Twitter and when I was doing message boards, I, you know, and, 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 and the quote-unquote tradcasts were running around saying, oh, uh, Bergoglio's, he, he, he's a heretical guy. He's a heretical guy. I was telling them he's the logical conclusion of Vatican II. Uh, in, order to, in order to get uh, more information on that, um, there are two podcasts. They're on uh, SoundCloud and, um, SoundCloud and uh, Spotify. SoundCloud and Spotify. They're called um, Norvis Order Watch and True Restoration Radio. Um, 
They've done interviews. They documented the heresies that have been committed after the Vatican II Council closed in 1965. So if you want to get a flavor of what I'm talking about, tune into those guys and, and listen to what they have to say because it's all documented. It's easily proven now that we have the internet. The internet, believe it or not, can be used for good. I know that sounds slightly heretical, but it can be used for good. Anyway, so my logical brainwave was, or thought, well, okay, we know that Vagano, because he's in his 70s, at least, maybe he's in his 80s, but I know he's at least in his 70s, which means he was ordained probably back in the 60s, okay? And who was in control of the Vatican in the 1960s? Well, it was the um, the Masonic, the Masonic bishops and priests um, that put, uh, put forward Vatican II and the neo um the neo masons that were involved in the vatican at that time now when i say neo i i mean that they're not necessarily they may not be actual masons but they may be in, you know masonically influenced by the masons so i'm th- i'm thinking to myself i'm listening to this that I know the man's trying to give them the benefit of doubt, or Vagano at least. He's trying to give Vagano the benefit of doubt and saying maybe, hey, maybe this guy's honest and sincere and he's, he's trying to do the right thing. Of course, he kept his mouth shut for 50 years. He did keep his mouth shut. Never made a move to expose any of the abuses of the Vatican. He, Vagano never made any, any moves to expose what was going on, but you know, the more open that, um, the more open that Bergoglio was with his heresy, the more he started speaking up, he started piping up, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of skeptical by nature, in case you haven't heard. Um, I'm kind of skeptical by nature. How could this guy, this archbishop, at the very least he's in charge of a diocese, how could he put up with the Vatican II garbage for 50 years and never denounce Benedict, never denounce John Paul, never denounce uh, Paul VI, but all of a sudden, you know, um, uh, Bergoglio's the issue. Bergoglio's the issue, uh, you know. And, you know, all, uh, all the set of Acontis bishops, I'm not going to say priests because most of the priests are like in their 20s and 30s and they grew up under Vatican II unless they were raised by traditional families. So... Those guys have no idea. You know, I mean, they, they know about the heresies of Vatican II, but what I'm saying is, is they don't have any context. But the bishops, especially 
the bishops that they interview on uh, True Restoration Radio. These guys were Vatican II guys who had enough traditional training to recognize the heresies of Vatican II. And when they realized those heresies, they said, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Catholic teaching cannot contradict itself. There's something wrong here. And they left. They left. Okay, now it did take them, you know, a few years to do that, but they did leave. My question is, why didn't Vagano? Now, charitably, and I am trying to be charitable as I can, and not put myself... Oh, and by the way, everything in this episode that I'm covering is not an indictment on the priest in particular... that I'm talking about. It's not an indictment to him. It, it's, it's not an indictment to him. It's not even an indictment of the poor guy who got suckered into the Vatican II nonsense who suddenly realized that, yeah, there's issues here. It, they're not directed at them, okay? And really, because I'm not God, and Catholicism teaches that only God can judge, this isn't really... An indictment of Archbishop Vagano, because I don't know the man personally. I don't know his thoughts. I don't know what he's thinking. I know none of that. Only God knows. So only God can judge. I'm going by, and I realize this is not the best way, but sometimes you do have to judge by appearances. This is just questions I have judging by appearances. And the appearance is, that he went 50 years knowing the garbage that went on. At any point in those 50 years, that he, if he thought that any of the popes or the bishops in, in, in the Vatican II sect were, were committing heresy, well, he had a simple solution. And that simple solution was to take it to the pope. And by the way, I don't know when he was ordained as an archbishop and quite frankly, to me, it doesn't matter. He, when he was an archbishop, he could have asked for an uh, audience with the Pope. That, you know, I mean, even laymen have that privilege. When I was in the Vatican II sect, I could have wrote my archbishop and said, hey, I want to talk to Pope Benedict and, you know, request an audience. And depending on your archbishop, you know, you know how it works, politics. He's free to say, go ahead, I'll make the arrangement, you buy the ticket and go talk to him. Or he could say, uh, go pound sand, you stupid, uh, stupid loser, I want nothing to do with you. My point in bringing this up is, when he became an archbishop and he realized that, you know, there's something wrong going on here, and you have to bear in mind the context. Before... Bergoglio became Pope, you had all these other popes and bishops who were basically heretics, and he said not one word. I have yet to come into contact with any writings or official public statements from Archbishop Vagano saying, oh, you know, I think I think Benedict may be a little bit iffy. I think John Paul may be. No, he kept quiet. 
It was only when Francis took power that he was like, wait a minute, we got an issue here. We better take care of it. Now, my question or what I was thinking was, okay, the man basically went 50 years without saying a peep until Francis took over. And by the way, this is not a defense of Francis. I think I've made that perfectly clear. No, Francis, the only difference between Francis and Benedict was Benedict gave all the appearances of being a traditional Roman Catholic and there were no cameras around to record his many heresies. Well, there were, but it was harder to get that info. Whereas Bergoglio, he's open, he's upfront and honest. He will, he will absolutely, and by the way, if you want the list of the outrageous things that Bergoglio has said in his tenure as the quote-unquote Pope, I strongly suggest Francis Watch, which is on Spotify and um, SoundCloud, run by Norvis Order Watch. And all they do in, in those podcasts is just record the outrageous crap he says. And by the way, given that this is present era, um, his press conferences, he might, might as well with the media coverage we got nowadays, he might as well be sitting in your living room spouting this stuff. In order to think that that man is an actual Catholic, you're very much at best under delusion or at worst, you're deluding yourself. But to get to my point, so he had all this time and now all of a sudden, you know, Francis is getting outrageous. It's time to say something. And I'm thinking to myself, and I, I do realize the good, the good father, the good, the good priest, he's just trying to give Vagano the benefit of the doubt, which brings me to where I got sidetracked. There is a thing in traditional Catholic circles, and I'm not talking to the, the, what I call the neo-traditionalists, well, the, 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 the sheep, they have this thing, but the leadership, you know, they're, 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 they're like the neoconservatives in Congress. They know the game. They know the game's rigged. Uh, but, you know, they've got status and influence and, and, and money to protect. And, you know, I mean, people are individuals. Maybe some of them are afraid that if they openly break with what is considered to be the, the true Catholic church, that they'll lose friends and family over it. I think I've covered some of that in my earlier episodes. But there is this belief held by traditional Catholics that somehow or another, Vagano can force out Pope Francis with a bunch of quote-unquote traditional cardinals and hold a new conclave and that he can take over as Pope and clean out the pigsty that's currently residing in the Vatican. Um, and I think the good father is thinking along those lines. Um, but I don't know. He, he didn't give his personal thoughts. And by the way, I have nothing but respect for this particular priest. He, 
he's a, a charitable, loving individual. Okay, he's a charitable, loving individual. Let's get that out there. I, on the other hand, I'm a layman, and I could basically shoot my mouth off because officially I'm not part of the true Catholic Church yet. I haven't been confirmed. So if I want to run my mouth about Vagano, I, I'm welcome to do it. I mean, I'm not welcome to do it, but I can do it. So I'm thinking to myself, and like I said, this is not an indictment of the father in question or the many good and honest Catholics out there who, you know, for whatever reason, they, they, they think that this, this is the answer. This is not an indictment of them. I'm questioning Vagano's motives. And in questioning Vagano's motives, I think, well, let me put it to you this way. It took me a lot of years to realize that the U.S. political system's rigged. And it has been from the get-go. And once that realization came bashing me upside the head, it taught me to look beyond the surface and to maybe look for clues and indicators that maybe the person in question isn't who they say they are. Okay? And I'm looking at the evidence that I can see, and, you know, I'm not claiming to be a theologian, I'm not claiming to be a saint, because, you know, there, there are neo-Catholic grifters like Michael Voris, who say, you can't question the Pope, you're not a saint. Well, that's actually not true. You know, it's actually, it's actually a Catholic's duty that if they see something wrong, to speak up to whoever can fix it. But they're not to tolerate that crap. Anywho, so I'm looking at this, this situation, and I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm viewing it as I would a political situation. And in politics, you'll have an unpopular or unpopular, I'm sorry, unpopular incumbent. And this, you know, it, you can pick the political party. It, you know, they're both the same. I don't care what you say. They're both the same. And he could say, you know, the, the challenger could say, well, Senator so-and-so did this, this, and this. And if I get elected to the Senate, I'm going to change it. And you look at the surface, it sounds nice. It looks nice. He's got a beautiful family. He's a lawyer. He's well-dressed. He's wearing a $1,000 suit. And he's saying all the right things and think, yeah, that, that yeah, I'm going to vote for Senator, or, uh, Challenge your so-and-so and get rid of this, this idiot we got running our uh, state. And then, if you're paying attention, you'll find out that, oh, he's, he's good buddies with his, with his uh, opponents on the opposite side of the aisle, and they're going out and having golf games. And if he gets questioned about, well, you know, it's just politics, man. I mean... I'm the loyal opposition. That doesn't mean that Senator so-and-so on the other side of the aisle is a bad person, even though this person might support 
abortion or oppose the death penalty or oppose the various and sundry groups right now that are busy burning down our country and rioting. Anyhow, I start using that kind of mindset at Vagano, and I'm thinking, okay, A, he's been in office, or I'm sorry, not office, he's not a politician, at least he's not supposed to be. But when I get to my heirs of the Vatican II Church, I will talk about how they politicized the Catholic Church. But we we have we have an archbishop who's been in, you know, he's been in the Vatican, or I'm sorry, the, the, the Vatican II sect for 50 years, never said a word. And now all of a sudden he has issue with a man called Pope Francis. And then two, I look at history, and it is well documented, um, it is very well documented that the Masons started in uh, infiltrating the Catholic Church around the 1700s. And the Masons, like I said, there were some actual Masons that were in Vatican II, the, the council, and there were some neo-Masons that they might have not been actual members of the Masonic Lodges, but, you know, a lot of their ideas were, were derived from the Masonic Lodges. So there's that. And then you have this situation where don't let the, the don't, don't, don't buy the hype, people. I've got a t-shirt with the Kool-Aid man saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Do not drink the Kool-Aid. Okay? So, there's a situation right now where Vatican II sect is it's hemorrhaging. I can guarantee you, they won't put out the actual numbers. You'll get some generalized number of 1.5 billion Catholics. Now, that may or may not be true. If you follow the Catholic Church, though, you'll know they're hemorrhaging. They're hemorrhaging followers because, you know, some of these, some of the people that are leaving, if they, if they did not grow up in the actual traditional Catholic Church, were raised by people who did, and they're like, wait a minute, you know, the stuff my mom and dad taught me and the books that I read have no no connection at all to what the Vatican II sect is teaching me. Okay? And they're leaving. They're leaving in droves. Now look, you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, and by the way, I'm no rocket scientist. I barely graduated from high school because I hated high school. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just putting my bona fides out there for you guys. I'm not claiming to be a rocket scientist, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if indeed, you know, Vatican II was planned and, and put into motion by a bunch of Masons, and these Masons hate the Catholic Church and they want to undermine it, well, there's a, there's a political term that's kind of jargon on political podcast called a PSYOP. And having been ex-military, I can make it very simple for you. A PSYOP is when you send somebody, you have somebody who agrees with you, 
but they go to your opponent and they say, oh man, the U.S. Army, it, it's horrible, it's terrible. Um, let me, let me uh, work with you and help you to, to overthrow the evil U.S. Army. And then at the right moment, they turn around, they turn your group or other groups into the U.S. Army for a bounty or whatever, whatever stuff that the U.S. government is giving out nowadays. So I'm looking at that. You know, it, this, this so-called critic of, the, of, 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 of Bergoglio is coming out and saying, all the right things. He's saying all the right things. He, and he's in hiding. He's in hiding. Because he's so afraid of the Pope Francis's minions that he might get killed. First of all, Francis has been in office since 2013. If Francis really thought that this dude was some sort of uh, force column inside his organization... Pope Francis could have this guy exterminated. And by the way, this is a rabbit hole that you can jump to if you want to. But there have been mysterious deaths of people who have tried to whistleblow on the Vatican. You know, you have the internet, use it, I suggest. But anyway, he could have he had Vagano whacked at any time. But now in 2021, all of a sudden, Vagano, he's, he's scared for his life. He, he's worried. You know, I find it a little too pat. I find it a little too pat. At the very moment, the Vatican II is losing its grip and its reach on the average Catholic in the pews, that all of a sudden, you know, that he's an issue and... um. And when I say he, I'm talking about Vagano. But you can include Pope Francis in the issue too, as far as I'm concerned. But all of a sudden, Vagano's the issue. All right, we're talking, what, seven years? Eight years? Anytime, Pope Francis could have had him killed. Okay? Um, <laughs> and, and for, uh, I apologize for you innocent Vatican II sect members who have come across what you think is cynicism. Um, you know, I, I don't view it as cynicism. I, I view it as being realistic. Knowing how the world works, especially now. Well, for the past, you know, 200 years. But anyway. Um, so... But this this was his story, you know. This is his story that he has to go into hiding. And there's two factors at play. I already covered the first, where there's a segment of traditional Catholics that would like to see him throw Bergoglio to the wolves and take over the Vatican. But there's also a second portion of this where um they're losing their reach and their influence. Guys like Taylor Marshall, Michael Voris, Michael Matt, to, to my Protestant and atheist friends, you don't know who these are, uh, Google them. Google them. These guys pose as traditional Catholics who say that Francis is the legitimate Pope. So, but 
they're losing their reach and they're losing their their influence. Okay, and just as luck would have it, at this time, there's a segment that's still holding on to the for long hope that somehow Vagano's going to fix everything. Now, as a sub, as a subtopic, in, um, in Catholic circles, there's a quote-unquote traditional Catholic a bookseller called Tam Books. It's actually short for Thomas A. Nelson, but it's called Tam Books. And and I'm a witness to this. I'm a witness. They have a book currently in their uh, catalog called The St. Gallons Mafia, where they suggest, and you, you can look it up on the Tam Books website. They give a little description what the author is suggesting is, is that this St. Gallant's Mafia, which, by the way, the St. Gallant's Mafia, it's been around at least since the 90s about this cabal of gay bishops and priests who are secretly pulling the strings behind the popes. The popes are unaware these guys are pulling the strings. And the reason why Vagano's life is in danger is because these guys are really PO'd that he knows too much and he needs to be silenced. Now, all I'm going to ask you to do is do a little, do a little uh, memory experiment with me. Do you think that if you're a mafia don, okay, you got you got two mafia dons who are cousins. One is, is killing judges blatantly in their homes. He, he's sending his minions out to whack judges in their homes. But the other guy, he's more subtle. He's, he's paying, he's paying uh, prosecutors, uh, representatives, and senators under the table. Okay? And um, his cousin gets arrested... And um, he gets arrested. He gets tossed in, you know, lock me up in prison. And the, uh, the, the, the cousin who's more slick, well, his, his political buddies are saying, you know, you should probably take over your cousin's organization and be a little more subtle because you're bringing down too much heat on our organization. You know, because when politicians climb into bed with mafioso, it's a mutually a mutually beneficial project. You know, hey, you know, your cousin's whacking judges in uh, in public, man. Do something about this. You know, do you not think that the mafioso cousin, the one who's under the uh, he's on the down low. Is is going to tell them no, or do you think he's going to um, resume what his what his crazy cousin was doing to begin with? No, that defies logic and common sense. He's 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 gonna put things on the QT, the down low. Choose your choose your metaphor for you know keeping things private, and he's going to continue business as usual. Now, 
I just, there's, me personally, I'm not going to argue that coincidences don't exist or that, you know, coincidences don't happen. They do, but not as often as you would think. Generally, a coincidence is the coming together of two minds that make it look like, oh, this uh, this occasion was an accident and, you know, it was an accident and there's nothing nefarious to see, you know. I'm sure you've heard this meme, move along, people, move along. There's nothing to see, nothing to see. Uh, there's too many coincidences here, you know, that a major book publisher of quote-unquote traditional books is putting out this garbage that they're, you know, that, I mean, the, the St. Gallen's Mafia is real. It's most certainly real, but all of a sudden, you know, after uh, uh, the guy's been in the Vatican II church since the beginning of it, and all of a sudden now he's a problem. Right at the time when Vatican II is, is hemorrhaging Members, it's losing its reach and influence. And to close this out, guys, I I just think there's charity, there's being charitable, and there's um there's being realistic. You know, to suggest that there's no well, not suggest. He was giving them the benefit of doubt. Okay. Oh, well, he was being charitable. I'm sorry. He was being charitable. Well, to me, there's a difference between being charitable and being um, the benefit of the doubt. And I'll give you an example from personal experience. I often give people that I know the benefit of the doubt. I've said this on earlier episodes. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt if I don't know you from Adam. And you say, hey, man, you know, that post I wrote you was really nasty calling. Oh, I was, I was taking cough medicine and I didn't know what I was saying. And I just want to say I'm sorry. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, fine. You know, you, you were under the influence, whatever. We're cool. But if the person repeats it, then I know he's a bad faith actor and to shun him. Charity, on the other hand, is, you know, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to impute sinister motives without reason. In other words, you shouldn't be imputing sinister motives if um, there's nothing solid to back it up. I think I've made a pretty solid case that there's an awful lot of coincidences going on here. And I think in, you know, like I said, the priest is a very, very nice guy. Very nice guy. Loving dude. But I think he's, he's giving the benefit of the doubt and using charity um, to the point where, in my opinion, I'm not accusing the man of nothing because I don't know him personally. I don't know. I don't go to his church. I, I don't know 
why he came to the conclusion he did. I'm just saying from the evidence, this looks suspicious. And I think that he's being a little bit naive. I honestly think he's being a little naive about the situation. You know, I'm not impugning his motives. I'm not impugning his judgment. I'm not. I said, this is what it appears to me. You know, if any of you know who I'm talking about and want to let me know that I'm full of crap, please do. I will post an apology. I'm just saying the way it looks, it doesn't look good. All right, guys, that's, that's my hour long rant for today. Um, you know, I feel sorry for you guys, the uninitiated who bumped into this and have no idea what I'm talking about. If you're non-Catholic, it probably doesn't matter. This was more aimed at the neo-trads and the Vatican II people and, and, and the true Catholics out there who have this naive hope because um, you're, you're, you're letting what you want to happen affect um, how you think. At least that's how it appears. So God bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Goodbye.